0: Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle.
2: Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salic.
3: Good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepker. Well, Seb, don't know about you, but I've spent the whole morning talking about Election Day in the United States across the pond. The biggest turnout ever expected for this uh, US race. But that is a long way away. And the focus here in the UK is on Boris Johnson and on the pandemic in Britain because the government has announced this uh, bigger plan, this ambition for mass testing. The Prime Minister revealing plans for whole cities actually to be tested in order to root out asymptomatic carriers and the program is going to be trialed in Liverpool starting on Friday with everyone in the city being offered a test even if they actually don't have any symptoms.
2: Yeah, another step forward for Operation Moonshot. Just one of the ways of coping with the virus if we're not going to get a vaccine anytime soon. It comes as the pandemic threatens to overwhelm the NHS. That will be on the minds of ministers as they look to other ways of decreasing the the spread of the infection. But then also you've got the Prime Minister always looking over his shoulder, trying to placate members of his own party. They've been critical of the decision to lock down a second time. So anything that he can give them along these lines of of testing to suggest that maybe the lockdown won't go on further than the 28 days it's supposed to run for will certainly play in his favour.
3: Yeah. Well, this morning we're joined by Afzal Khan, who is the Labour MP for Manchester, Gordon, and also the shadow deputy leader of the House of Commons to discuss all of this. Afzal, only a few weeks ago we had a conversation about the uh, tier three restrictions in your area and what that meant uh, for you uh, and for businesses and, and residents of the area. Are you optimistic, actually, that this new mass testing strategy is going to work?
1: Well, I do hope uh, it does help us, and it takes us forward in the right direction. But if I was to make a judgment in light of the past history of this government, and then the, my difficulty is that as, at every stage, they have always overpromised and underdelivered. Uh, so in that sense, I have a concern whether or not in this one they will be any better. And my second problem ultimately is. Uh, It's about track and trace. Uh, That is the critical backbone till we manage to get the vaccination. And whether or not this time we have now, the government will utilize effectively to iron out some of the difficulties in track and trace, because I think that is where the hope is.
2: Uh, good to have you, afsal I want to ask you about the third aspect of track and trace, which is isolate. You can have your track and trace system down to a T, but if people aren't staying home as they're supposed to do when they're told to, then the whole system falls apart. The question then is, how do you make sure that people do stay at home when they're asked to buy the app or buy the traces or whoever else? Yeah, uh,
1: of course, that's very important. Ultimately, is the cooperation of the public, which is essential. So we really have to then ask ourselves, what has happened here? Why is it in the early stages of the lockdown, the public virtually cooperated? And why is that message not cutting through? I I think one of the difficulties has been is this whole journey, the way the government has been handling and almost the way the public looks at it is a contradiction in what they say and what they do. When many of the key players, those who are the architect of this whole message, themselves flouted this message, I think that saps the confidence. And then I also feel, uh, as the, we move away and the longer this has been, so almost fatigue of the message, uh, and therefore it's not cutting through. So yes. I would say the government really needs to sort of zoom in further and to see how they can refresh this message. So that it cuts through and the confidence is built again with the public.
3: Mm. Do you actually support this lockdown, though, the 28-day lockdown?
1: I think so. I think for me the issue has been, like lots of other activities of the government, it's too little too late. You know, for we've been asking for this as the scientists have sort of came through clearly many weeks ago now saying that this was needed. And what we had from the government was dithering, trying to deal with this tear idea, uh, when we knew there was enough evidence showing that this will not be enough. And so they wasted a lot of time, a lot of our energy in trying to negotiate things, when knowing that this actually is not going to go anywhere, There more action would be needed. Uh, so they sort of brought in this lockdown, but in a sense, uh, late, because we know the way this virus progresses, Uh, it doesn't go sort of linear, it just really goes very steep. Uh, And the more late you are, the bigger the numbers, and hence the more difficult to really bring it down uh, again.
2: What I don't understand is how this sits with Labour's policy, which was for a two-week circuit breaker. The government's idea now is to run this for four weeks. If there's doubt that we can't bring the R number down below one in four weeks, what hope was there ever of having an impact within two?
1: Well, it's all about when you actually hit it hard. If you hit this issue lockdown hard earlier, then the numbers you're dealing with is small. Uh, And because it multiplies, and the fact that they've delayed it, the number we now are trying to clamp down, is huge. Uh, and I think if you look at some of the death rates, that will give you an indication as well that in the three, four weeks early, the number was so small. And now we're getting into hundreds. And if we're not careful, then it will be reached 1,000 mark. And that's the difficulty. And this is why this delay has cost lives.
3: Mm. Do you think that your constituents will comply with the restrictions? Will there be high compliance or is that something that you're worried about?
1: I think I am worried because I think the problem uh, seems to be is uh, the confidence in government's uh, handling, the messaging has been set. Uh, of course, it's in everybody's interest and uh, as a Labour Party, we want everybody to cooperate with this, Even with all the difficulties we had with the TSP. Uh, In negotiating with government, uh, we felt ultimately the important point was there has to be some sort of uh, cooperation, and we kept on saying to the public, and we'll carry on saying, that they must follow the advice of the experts, the people who actually understand this better than most of us, uh, is, is about cooperating, and that those basic steps that we all need to take, that's the way to control it. Because ultimately, this virus actually needs Uh, for people to be not following, uh, for it to spread. And if more people follow, the less it's going to spread.
2: But I suppose the issue is, with Manchester in particular, you've been under excess restrictions compared to much of the country for months now. The nights are drawing in, it's getting cold, Christmas is around the corner for many. (coughs) Is there not a risk that people in your area are just going to get fed up and they're just going to want to get out there and, and, and see a little bit of normality?
1: Well, I can see that uh, in in a way it's natural uh, as humans, you know, that human touch element, being able to get on with the life in the normal sense that we knew. But we also got to accept where we are. Uh, And this uh, virus is actually deadly, particularly to such a section of the community. And therefore, as a community, you know, we need to show the Mm. the discipline. We need to dig deep, uh, really, for this discipline because it is in everybody's interest.
3: Okay, so that on the pandemic. I also would like to ask you about um, internal Labour Party politics. Did the party make the right decision to suspend the whip from Jeremy Corbyn?
1: Uh, well, clearly, uh, leadership, we have a new leadership and uh, they've seen the past history, we've seen the report as well. And I think uh, the Keir Starmer has been very clear in, in the message that he wants to get across uh, that they mean business. Uh, and in that sense, What's important is to accept uh, the report of the EHRC uh, and really to turn things around what is not helpful uh, for anyone to undermine in any way uh, or for this message to be projected out that, look, uh, things were somehow okay. Clearly, they were not okay. uh, And that's why we are where we are. uh, And and as a party, I think we need to show that discipline that we will not tolerate uh, any sort of... uh, discrimination against any section. I mean, as a Labour Party, this has been one of our core values all along. So in that sense, I feel uh, it's right for us to uh, accept this report and make sure that those systems that have been put in place, which, of course, Yannick Orban and his team were also responsible for, they're actually implemented so that there is a confidence in the wider community that Labour Party is fit for purpose. And for that matter, I think all political parties need to be now thinking about this, that there's all sorts of different discrimination that exists in the society. And we yeah. have a duty as political parties uh, to yeah. challenge that, whatever form that discrimination is.
2: Uh, so, so to confirm then, the party was right to suspend Corbyn and his co- comments, um, <clears> that the, 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 the response has been disproportionate, were, were not something you would support?
1: Well, I think, uh, first of all, to understand is that this is an administrative suspension. Uh, There is a process which things will go through, and uh, Jeremy Corbyn's case will be looked at, I'm sure, very fairly. Uh, So at this stage, I do support the leadership.
0: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time
2: Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics and Caroline we start with a Scottish story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's related to Brexit, really. Uh, so Brexit is said to be undermining support for Scotland remaining within the UK. We've sort of known this for a while, but it is a new study which is examining public opinion across the country. And it found that before the pandemic, all of those who shifted towards a pro-independence view had positive opinions of the EU. So the Scottish Centre for Social Research also found that amongst those who would vote remain if there were an Another EU referendum. Support for Scottish independence has gone from 44% in 2016 to 57% this year. So that's really the crucial gap uh, that is opening up in terms of, uh, you know, people being pro uh, remaining within the EU and also pro Scottish independence.
2: Yeah, that's certainly a link that's been made by a lot of pollsters and, and something that reportedly number 10 is worried about, that there aren't enough people who are, let me get this right, anti-Brexit, anti-Brexit and pro-staying in the union to balance out the other lot. Uh, very confusing stuff, thinking on two axes there. Uh, let's talk about the arts. Here's something that is slightly nicer. The Culture Secretary confirming that arts venues can remain open for rehearsals during the lockdown. So Oliver Down says that while audiences can't take part, the venues are places of work. And so they are allowed to stay open. But footages of footage of performances taking place inside these venues can also be streamed online when tougher restrictions come into force in England on Thursday. So perhaps some way to get this stuff out and to keep people in the arts in work uh, maybe it says more about me and my taste than anything else but I, I've got to say the people who have been spamming me the hardest throughout this whole pandemic have been independent opera companies trying to reassure me that they're still alive and still trying to do something <laughs> but i have been very impressed <laughs> with how they've been dealing with this whole thing I've got to say
3: yeah look trying to find creative ways of keeping creative people in jobs uh, it's just a very difficult moment isn't it uh, look lastly there's this story about um, Jeremy Corbyn where's Jeremy uh, the Sun has found a newly independent MP Jeremy Corbyn on holiday on the Isle of Wight the suspended former Labour leader apparently was spotted getting a ferry there despite living in a tier 2 area in London where travel to lower risk areas is discouraged so again this is the Sun reporting um, but you can bet that uh, everybody in senior government um, be on your uh, marks really um, the, you know, the, the paparazzi are out there if you're not careful
2: yeah and, and recess which is typically a time when MPs do slip off um mm. it, it has just happened uh, but this time round it seems strange because there's so much going on you're going to be want want to be there for your uh, constituents also a bit of a grey area because leaving t- t- tier 2 uh is not not allowed But it is, as you say, discouraged. So there we go. Uh, Right. Let's talk about the US election, arguably the biggest political event of the year Uh, today. The latest polls showing the Democratic nominee Joe Biden leading President Trump nationally as well as in some key states. So what does this mean then for the UK? What does this mean for the special relationship. For more, we're joined by Bloomberg Opinions, Therese Raphael. Therese, good to have you on this topic. Let's talk about the possibility of a Biden win, as the polls are suggesting is rather likely. What would that mean for relations with number 10?
4: Well, I think it would require a reset of some sort from number 10, because we've had four years of a sort of Trump Johnson tandem that's worked quite well for the Tories largely because of Trump's big support of Brexit and a US UK trade deal, which simply couldn't get over the line so you know with biden we've got a very different dynamic first of all he's got irish roots and there is a very strong feeling uh from the biden team but also from um members of the u.s congress that any brexit deal that crossed over uh a line in terms of um undermining the good friday agreement would be um you know very staunchly opposed from the US and would also have an impact on that, the prospect of any trade deals. So I think we're going to have to see um, you know how how that impacts Johnson's negotiations with Brussels but you know one uh, reasonable mm-hmm. <laughs> assumption is that it puts a little more pressure on getting a deal but the US can also sort of uh you know, agree is not a is not an impediment um, you know, for for Irish relations. Um the yeah. other thing it will impact is obviously trade. Trump was a big supporter of a trade deal, though I think it's easy to overstate that. There was no way the US was going to do a deal that um you know that, that didn't advance US interests. But I, I don't think by for Biden it's going to be a priority. So it's a question whether Johnson really wants to spend political capital pursuing
3: that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. We've been talking um, today how the kind of consensus in Brussels is very much in favour of a Biden win, isn't it? it? Other than kind of some of the leaders um, in Eastern European countries, largely um, Europe as a whole is kind of hoping for a reset with a democratic uh, win for the for the White House that that would be more helpful for transatlantic relations. That's sort of quite a contrast mm. with actually where the UK sits, which is sort of fascinating. And then also you know, realistically, do you think that everybody is actually just waiting for the US election results so that then they can move forward with the Brexit negotiations? Is that even on the minds? Do you think of UK negotiators that that this big change across the pond is happening? I
4: don't think it's the major factor in Brexit negotiations. I think the, the, uh, the, the issues that are dividing the two sides and trying to, to work those out is probably dominating talks but you know it is the um, you know it, it, it's the shadow hanging over the world right now mm. in some in some respects you know what happens in this election I think the shadow isn't necessarily even a um, even a, a trump re-election which has huge implications but it's what happens if it's unclear and remains unclear for some time what happens if there's violence it's those kinds of questions that i think will weigh heavily um on on national governments but you know to the extent that that a biden administration can be expected to reinforce the sort of you know multilateral institutions that were um the glue for transatlantic relations since the post-war era i think you know we'll see a lot of um, fingers crossed for that in yeah. both the continent and I think you know in the UK as well because for all of the um synergies between Trump and Johnson you still have a probably uh, you know more more i would say in common with uh with the biden administration in terms of advancing climate change um intelligence sharing global peace all of these things that uh that uh, you know you would expect mm. to have um from a democratic administration i think I, I think the the uh downing street would be very comfortable with that
2: okay i've got to ask you about the testing story close to home as well um, mm. i mean this sounds amazing if we can get whole cities tested on a regular basis, it feels like it's the one thing short of a vaccine that can get the country going again. I suppose the crucial question is around timing. How long is it going to be, do we think, until this sort of thing can be rolled out across the country?
4: Well, I mean, it is a very exciting development. We've been hearing about the prospects of mass testing for some time now and what's kept, uh, you know, what's kept that from being rolled out um, in a, in any kind of scale is two things. One is the accuracy, and then the ability to produce and enough tests to make a real difference. And they're they're quite confident that the test is accurate enough uh, to make a huge difference here. There's only five hundred thousand being rolled out in Liverpool, a, a city of, of a population of five hundred thousand, and they're talking about testing. You know a vast number of the population very frequently. so it will be interesting to see whether they're putting out enough tests. It will also be interesting to see what they do with the people that test positive because they will need to be retested to confirm that because you know there are there's some chance that you will get um, false positives. So if all of that goes well, Boris Johnson is saying that that could be rolled out throughout other parts of the country Mm -hmm. before Christmas. And I do think it's a game changer in the sense that it takes the pressure off uh, the underperforming, you know, regular test and trace system that has Mm -hmm. just not been able to do enough to stem the rise of infections.
3: Yeah, but but we are still light on the actual details of how this is going to work. And, right. and um, you know, as we were mentioning earlier with the Labour MP Afzal Khan, the issue is, is in some sense, it's less actually about testing um, than it is about tracing and then getting people to self-isolate. Um, that's the real problem, isn't yeah. it? That there are so many disincentives to, to doing it.
4: Well, the studies have shown that, uh, of course, very few people who either have symptoms or are told that they've been in contact with someone who's tested positive actually uh, isolate for the full recommended period. So that is a problem. But there's um, you know, there's an interesting new study out from the National Bureau of Economic Research that suggests that even if you don't have full adherence to the isolation, even if you don't have full accuracy in the testing, it still uh, produces enormous benefits in terms of uh, cost savings and reduced transmission, and I think you know that's what we have to keep, bear in mind. This is not going to be perfect. At the same time, we don't know enough about this test. The um, government hasn't released the full details of how you know how accurate it is, how it's been you know how how tested in in the community. So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions, and we'll have to see how it um, uh, how it unrolls in Liverpool in the coming sort of weeks, really.
0: Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
0: And I'm Skip Bronson.
1: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies?
4: You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our
0: pals about everything under the sun.